Good morning, everybody. Well, this morning we're going to continue a series that we've started called Yes. And uh, if you are just onboarding this conversation with us this morning, it's one that comes out of um, Nicole and I at the start of this year. We, in early January, went down to the Optus store to get some details fixed on our mobile phone account. And in the back of the, uh, the, back of the store there, if Steve, you jump, yeah, there it is. There was this great picture of um, Ash Barty, and on it, this, on the screen, there was these words that says, "It starts with yes." And um, even in that moment, Nicole and I, we just had this sense of the Holy Spirit touching our lives at the start of another year of following Jesus as our Lord and our King, and and with that touch came this very strong invitation from the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit was asking us, Kirk, will you give your yes to Jesus again for another year? It was like God wasn't taking it for granted, the value of my relationship with him, but that he actually continued to express his desire for relationship with me. And, you know, like that little picture up there of Ash Barty, it's like from the moment she was a little girl, she said yes to that sense of inspiration or dream or picture that was in her, passion that was forming in her heart to want to become a tennis player, right through to, um, that was the 2022 um, Australian Open where she won the Australian Open as world number one. And right even before that, I'm sure there was a moment in her heart before going on to that court, she had to say, Yes, once again, to posturing herself in that moment, for that moment, bringing with her all of the wisdom and coaching and training that she'd learned along the way. And in, in our start of the year, we too, as a fellowship of believers, have been asking ourselves that question. Are we willing to give Jesus our yes again this year? We've looked at what it means, firstly, to say yes, to give ourselves to a a life of following Jesus as Lord. And we've even looked at what does it mean to call Jesus Lord and the implications of his being Lord and King. We've looked at what it means to say yes to wisdom and the invitation of God's presence leading our lives. And we've also had a look at the the folly and the dumbness of... of, uh, of choosing to not welcome his wisdom into our life. You know, Jesus used that story, that parable that we touched on of the um, person that built the house uh, when Jesus said, why do you call me Lord and don't do what I tell you? And uh, I just love that one. He puts it back on to the people around him. It's like, you're calling me Lord. You're giving me this place of God, authority and overship in your life. You're calling me to be that. So as I'm offering you the life and the wisdom and the authority and the power of the kingdom, why are you not doing what I'm telling you to do? It's like he's calling out the inconsistency of our hearts and our thinking. It's like, oh yeah, I want you to be Lord, but just over there, not in the whole reality of my life, the whole of my life. So we looked at that. We looked at what it means to say, yes, Lord. And really what we're saying is God... You be king of everything. You're the king of it all. You're the king of what I think. You're the king of my heart. You're the king of my relationships. You get to have a say over how my life is spent for your name and for my joy and for the benefit of others. You get to be the king. And we we looked at, um, and and we also looked at last week, just a lot, some life of prayer. We, we touched on a few key things about if you're going to go into this year, some things to pray. This week, I want to sort of touch on being a presence-led people, being a presence-led people. So I love the worship this morning. Thanks, um, thanks, Steve. And at least that worship set that you chose is beautiful this morning. It really is like a, a very loving underlining of the Holy Spirit saying, hey, pay attention. I'm up to something here. Pay attention. I'm up to something here. It's one of those moments where the Holy Spirit's moving through the room and saying, hey, if I'm call- you're going to call me Lord, you're going to welcome me in, 
then here's, here's what I'm going to bring, uh, and I'm hoping that you'll partner with me in that. And so this morning, we want to talk a little bit about being a presence-led people. Um, but just on the next slide, thanks, Stephen. So this year, at the start of the year, we keep asking ourselves these little questions as we're gearing ourselves up and tooling ourselves up for the journey. Really, will we soften our heart to his presence? Will we soften our heart to his voice? Will we yield our will and will we do what he tells us? There's the rocket science discipleship 101 for our life, okay? Will I actually yield my will? Will I listen to his voice and will I do what he say, said he's saying to do? So my question is, did you do that this week? Did, did you do that this week? You know, when you, you sensed his nearness and it, whatever the context was or whatever the concern was that was starting to surface to the front of your heart and your mind, whatever the relational context is, be it personal or work or be it with a bank or whoever, it's like, did, did, you, did you, as he drew near to you in that moment, did you yield to his will, his presence? Did you listen to what he had to say? And then did you do what he, he said? Uh, last week, next slide, thanks, mate. Um, we had this great quote from John Wimber and here in the vineyard. This is fantastic. Wimber said, we don't seek God, uh, God's power. We seek his presence because his power and everything we need is always found in his presence. It's, it, it's really a great statement, isn't it? It's about like Wimber there is kind of poking at the whole idea of it's, it's, God's not inviting you to have a relationship with his attributes. He's inviting you to have a relationship with him. And out of who he is, he demonstrates his character, his attributes, his goodness, his glory, his power, his godness. He's asking you to have a relationship with him. And through him, you experience his attributes. Often, we want to have relationship with God on the basis of his attributes rather than who he is as a person. And, and, but Wimber here is calling us out on that. Great little bit of wisdom there. It's like, so as we go on this year and this journey and even this conversation, this little bit of 20-minute chat this morning is like about the pre, being a presence-led people. Are we engaging with his presence or are we only happy to play around with his attributes in the shallow end of the pool? Giving our yes to Jesus is to step into an adventure of becoming alive to God in our everyday circumstances. Every day, not just when you come here and sit in these black seats. Every day, every moment, every context. Coming alive to Jesus in everyday circumstances and not only coming alive to him, but becoming aware of what he is up to and what he is doing and then partnering with him. We want to be a presence-led people. I grabbed this quote this morning from C.S. Lewis. I love this one. It's out of the Narnia series. It's a real corker. You know, if you've seen the Narnia series, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, the first movie, it's, or you've read the books, and, and um, Susan is talking about m meeting um, Aslan the lion, who is in, the, you know, um, a metaphor for who Jesus is as the king. And C.S. Lewis wrote, wrote these famous words. He says, Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Ooh, said Susan. I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about being safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he is good. He's the king, I tell you. Often we 
pursue Jesus, and I think C.S. Lewis points this out beautifully for us. We pursue Jesus for a sense of safety. In other words, we want, to, we want him to minimize the risk of the adventure of living life. Just save us from all of the high seas and the deep valleys. Keep us on this level, even playing field so we don't have to experience the, the ups and the downs of realities. Um, and, and keep us safe. But he's not safe. He's, he, he is not safe. He's the king and he is good. And this morning as we engage with God, as we listen to his word, I'm inviting us all to experience his goodness and it may feel a little unsettling as he calls you out of and calls me out of all of the risk management that we've put around our life in the hope that we'll feel safe enough to be able to get through it. Realising it's not our risk management and aversion that saves us. It's Jesus who saves us. The one who died and rose again and is the Lord of all. He's the one that gets to define what safe is. We've been praying this prayer together. Can we go on to that next slide? Let's all stand together. We pray this prayer together every week. And I know it sounds a little formal and rote, but I think it's good. This is how you, you bed things in. You know how we use that illustration of the, the, the this, um, builder um, on, on the sand or the rock? In, in uh, Eugene Peterson's versions of that, he says, you know, the wise builder takes the, wor- the words of God and works them into the soil of their life. So this is this. hey, we're going to dig this track and then we're going to redig this track and we're going to dig it again and dig it again till we work it into the fibre of who we are in our relationship. Sometimes that's how you learn things, hey. Let's pray this prayer together. Jesus, in this new season, I invite you to shape my life and set the direction of my year. I listen to your word. I long to imitate your works And I welcome your spirit as I fix my eyes on you. Amen. Okay, grab a seat. If you've got your Bible there, let's open it up to John chapter 3. Or if you don't, it's on the screen. It'll be on the screen. Uh, Sorry, John chapter 5. I've got a typo here in my notes. John chapter 5. So here's Jesus... He's doing the stuff of the kingdom. He's proclaiming good news. He's healing the sick. People are getting healed. And uh, he's just been at this, um, this pool, a bit like the lawn swimming pool. He's been down to the local pool. But this local pool is a little bit different because people uh, get healed when they jump in the water of that particular pool. I don't know if anyone's getting healed at the Lawton pool lately by jumping in that. <laughs> I'm not sure what's in the water. But anyway, um, it's it just local pool. People are jumping into it because when the, the water bubbles up, the spring that feeds that pool, when the water bubbles, the, 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 um, the understanding was the first person who was either sick or crippled or unwell, if they hit that water and they were the first ones in, they would be healed. And so there's all these people that are desperate and hungry hanging around this pool, hoping to be the first one into the water. And anyway, Jesus goes there and there's a guy who's been there for a long time. Uh, 30, he, he, he'd been an invalid for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him there, Jesus said to him, do you want to get well? I mean, it was a Captain Obvious moment, wasn't it? It was like, <laughs> of course, that's why he's there. Of course, Captain Obvious. Well done, Jesus. Uh, Sir, the invalid replied, I've got no one to help me into the pool when the water's stirred. Uh, and Jesus says to him, well, just get up, pick up your mat, walk. And that happens for that man in that moment. Now, we read it like a quick sentence, don't we? Um, and we, we don't take into the reality what actually took place there. Uh, but if we were to visually put ourselves in that moment, I reckon it was a good, um, a good ministry time. Lots of groaning, lots of noise, lots of uncomfortable visuals, 
watching a person who's been invalid for 38 years and their weathered body all of a sudden find strength and come alive under the sweat and the duress of the presence of God's love invading that person's life from the word of Jesus spoken to him. So he gets up and walks off. And anyway, we're going to pick up in verse 16 because Jesus is getting a little bit of back pushback here for doing this stuff because he was doing it on God's day, on the Sabbath. And so, you know, the, the, the good Jewish leaders of the day, they were, they were like, hey, you can't be doing this stuff. So verse 16, well, on the Sabbath in particular, so verse 16, so Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to them, my father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. On the surface, that sounds like a... Nice statement, but these guys took umbrage. For this reason, they tried to, to um, they tried all the more to kill him. <laughs> Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. They weren't annoyed at the miracle. They were annoyed that Jesus would refer to the God of, the, of heaven and earth, the maker of all things, as his, as his dad. Uh, Jesus gave him this answer. He says, very truly I tell you, the son, i.e., that's me, he says, can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, he, and he will show him even greater than these, so that you will be amazed. God's love, sometimes, it's an inside-out experience for people. His love fills their heart. It works through t- to their mind and to the, exter- the character formation of their soul. And then it becomes a lifestyle, impacting the way they choose to think, Love, act, and the way they use their body physically, their resources, and their relationships. It's an inside-out reality. And we in the West, we like that because we don't like to see the external stuff. Religion's a private thing for your home. You'll often hear that. Don't go to the barbecue and talk about religion and politics. That's the Australian way, isn't it? Keep that stuff at home. Keep that stuff at home. But the reality is that when God starts to touch us inside, our lives start to be transformed and then it impacts the way that we choose to love others. It's an inside-out experience and we're okay with that most of the time because we don't like P. PDEs, public demonstrations of emotion. I think that's what it is, a PDE. We don't like that stuff. Keep that, a a, a what? Affection, emotion, something like that. Keep that stuff at home. So we're okay with a God who works inside out, but we're not so okay with a God that works outside in. The one that just randomly chooses by his love and his authority to get a grip on someone's life and break into their circumstances, break into their life, be it through a sign or a wonder, be it through the, the, the prophetic utterance of a follower of Jesus that doesn't even know they're prophesying, but they're just speaking God's heart over someone's life and circumstance, and then all of a sudden there's a shift and change, and the power of God falls on their life. It's an outside-in moment. Experiences of power, the dynamic work of the Spirit that breaks people free, delivers them, heals them, and brings them alive to God. And then their heart catches up with what's happened to their body. I remember one time there was this lovely young couple that were here at PRV and and um, you know they'd been living together, and they came up to me and they said, "We want to have children." They're fairly new on the Jesus journey, 
we want to have children and we want, we want you to bless us. And I said, well, okay, just let's talk a little bit more about that. And so as they were telling me their story, I, I said, well, look, I need to share with you a few things. And so I just shared with them. I said, you know, I believe that there's this way in the heart of God for us to experience family. And the priority process of that is he calls a man and a woman to be together who make a covenant to each other. We call that marriage. And then out of the fruit of that commitment and that love for each other, there then comes the, the fruit of that oneness, which is family, i.e. children. So I said, if you're willing to come into that process, which I think is one that's on the heart of God, and you know, if we take the Bible at, at what we think it says, then we think that's the way it is. And, and they said, sure thing, okay. So they decided uh, that they would take the journey to get married. And we were having that conversation just over here, literally, on this bit of carpet. And as we're having that conversation, and they gave their yes, the Spirit of God fell on the guy like, like, like a hammer. I mean, just dropped him to the floor so fast. I couldn't catch him. It was just bang. The power of God fell on him, and he's on the, on the ground, and the power of God is just doing him over. And as a result of that, the physiological impact of that was he was shaking like a leaf in the wind on the floor, just under this like electrical current from God, just doing him over. And his um, partner, she's looking at this like deer in the headlights. What is going on here? And I could see that she was a little shocked at the external power of God touching this guy's life. Well, anyway, I was, I was trying to explain, well, this, this is what God's doing and just kind of coaching through it. It's like he's getting a hold of your partner here. He's, he's, he's actually, while it looks like there's a whole bunch of external stuff going on, he's actually drilling in for, the, for, for your partner's heart. He's really going for it. And it's like, but he's got to break through a whole bunch of resistance and spiritual opposition and practices and mindset to be able to actually bring your partner alive at the very core of who he is. And she's like, oh, okay. And I could see she was still in shock. And I just felt like the Holy Spirit said to me, Kirk, ask her if she would like to be touched like that. And so I just... Would, you know, I know you're looking at that and thinking that's a little awkward right now, but would you like God to touch you like that? And she says, yes, please. So we just prayed and the Holy Spirit came upon her very differently, not as dramatically, but still physiologically there was a response and a manifestation of power on this young woman's life. And anyway, this couple went on to get married and they've had three wonderful children together. Um, outside in... God sometimes works the inside out. We like that because it's private and hidden. But sometimes he works outside in. Inside out or outside in moments of God, as disciples of Jesus, we are all about learning to become more like him. Romans 8.29 tells us that. For, God, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And in becoming more like Jesus, we form an intimate relationship with his Father. And through that intimate relationship, we learn to bring his good news kingdom the way he did, both in words and in works of power. Words, good news, the kingdom of God is at hand. Turn your life around, repent and believe in the good news. Words, prophetic words, the woman at the well. That's right, that you're, ask, you're asking me for, you know, to give me a drink, uh, but you, you don't understand. Um, if, if I gave you a drink, the, the water that would well up in your life would totally transform you for eternity. God's word changed that, that woman, that dear woman at the well in that moment through Jesus. But how did Jesus go about bringing the kingdom of God and the good news of of the kingdom. Jesus said, I do it like this. We read it. 
underline, oh, uh, very truly, verse 19, son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. How did Jesus go about proclaiming the word of good news and hope to people's lives and demonstrating it with power and authority in the Holy Spirit? Well, he just said, I, I can't turn up and make something up. But I can look at what my father's up to and do what he's doing because my father is actually always at work and he's actually not only always at work, he's always talking to me, letting me know what he's up to because he loves to tell me what he's doing. God is always up to something and he's inviting us to join him in that. That's discipleship 101. That's what it means to be someone who's led by the Holy Spirit. I look for what the Lord's doing and I simply join in. Rocket science, isn't it? This following God stuff, rocket science. Hey, I just want to take a moment. I know this might be a little sidestep, but I think it's just worth pointing out. Because right now, I want to just give a little bit of comment about what is God up to in these universities in the United States. See, there's a, there's a university in, a United, in the United States called the Asbury University in Kentucky, USA. This university was started by one of um, John Wesley's guys who was sent out and over he came, a real firebrand. But anyway, he set up this um, university. Now, at the moment at the Asbury University, and you can look it up on YouTube, and I encourage you to do it today at some point, maybe after I finish talking, but, you know, if you can't wait that long, you know, that's all right, but just do what your father's doing, but you can look up, you can look up Asbury University, and I want you to have a look at it, because there's this beautiful work of the Holy Spirit that started, I think it was on the, either the second, I think it was on February the 2nd, a bunch of uni students, just, and it's not a flash hall, it's, it's just a, a simple wooden seated little auditorium and there wasn't that many people in the room at the time but there was just a bunch of university students who, who started to experience the Holy Spirit touching them and their hearts came, have come alive to Jesus and they started to sing to him and as they started to sing to him, other university students found their way into the hall and as a result of that, many of them have just, like, they would not only sit in the, the pews and sing or stand, they'd just come out and fall on the floor and loads and loads of them just getting their life, A, some of them getting their life right with God for the first time and some of them getting their life right with God again and everything in between. But there's this sense of the Holy Spirit doing something wonderful, being poured out. And, it, and that song, that singing, it's still going. Like 24 hours a day, even as you're sitting here right now. There's people turning. And it's not just the university students now that are there singing. There's people lining up for miles to find their way into this little hall to join in with what God's doing as an outside-in, inside-out moment of his kingdom. He's just pouring out his presence. And the beautiful thing about this, um, oh, there's many beautiful things about this. It's not based around a person or a popularity or a fancy show or the right lights or the smoke machines or the, you know, wearing the right shoes or jeans. Or It's got nothing to do with any of that. None of that's there. There's no fancy bands and all sorts. Of, it's just bunch of people picking up guitars, djembes, and singing their hearts of love to Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is continuing to be poured out, and people are getting spontaneously healed and saved and set free and delivered. Who's leading it? You can't, you can't even point to who the leader is. There's just a bunch of young adults in the back room there going, we need some more people to pick up a guitar and they pray and they like and then people come and they pick up a guitar and and away they go. But listen to this little comment. It's a beautiful work of the Holy Spirit. 
This one guy online called Madison, he writes this. He says, this work, it's marked by a, a tangible peace, sense of peace, a restorative sense of belonging, a non-anxious presence through felt safety, repentance driven by the experience of God's kindness, humble stewardship of the presence and power and the holiness of God through treasured adoration of God. It's a move of God. And all it's it's and it's not liter- it's literally while that I got loads of friends and stuff that have been there already and they're like as soon as they were on to it, saw it they were like I'm going I'm going to check it out what's happening you know. But anyway, the reports have been wonderful. People are falling in love with Jesus. And it's it's just catchy when that happens, isn't it? Ashbury's in Kentucky, the United States. But listen again to that, that little quote that I just read. There was belonging over a long epidemic of isolation. Hope over a generation that feels depressed. Humility of leadership over positions that have traditionally been held and have been abused by power. Participation in the adoration of Jesus over digital distraction. What about us here at the vineyard? What about us here at Pine Rivers Vineyard? What do we think about that? What do we think about God's presence touching people like that, moving like that? When we sing a song like we sang at the end of our worship set there, God, come have your way, fill this place. What do we think about that? Are we just sort of singing the, the, the words that are on a screen or are we actually like willing to start singing a song that we'll sing for the rest of our lives? For the rest of our lives, whether we're on the top of the mountain or the deepest valleys, we'll just sing that song. Whether everything around us is falling apart or coming together, we're still going to just sing that song because we've experienced the love of God. Just a couple of points on the next one there. Thanks, Stephen. We here in the vineyard, we welcome the presence of God in everything we do, from our times of worship to our dinner tables to the way that we feed the hungry and spend time with the lonely. We love the presence of God in everything we do. When we pray, come Holy Spirit, when we get together in times like this morning, be it or in a a corporate setting or even in a personal prayer moment with others, it's not because we don't believe the Holy Spirit's already present and active. It's the prayer of our heart crying out, petitioning God with some words saying, please God, we want more of you. We don't hype things up, but we do dial in as God begins to move. We don't, we don't fan it into some sort of hyperculture, but we do dial in. We narrow the gaze. We intensify the focus. We dial in. We lean in. We give ourselves over to, both as when we gather and even in our personal times of prayer through the course and the conversations of a day when God's asking us for his yes in that moment, we don't We don't try and turn it into some sort of spectacular moment. We just choose by the power of the Holy Spirit in partnership with, we know it's the Father talking to us. We dial in and we give ourselves over to what Jesus is doing in the moment. Be it at home, be it at work, be it in the truck, wherever we are. We don't hype it up. We just dial it in. We're not afraid to be able to see God's presence move. We're not afraid of when God's power falls on people and their, their physical responses might be um, verbose and loud or they may be quiet and still. We don't, we're, that's all good. <laughs> that's all good and everything in between. We love to distinguish between the beauty of the Holy Spirit and the brokenness of our humanity. We're okay to say, That bit's God, that bit's just a broken person getting touched by the beauty of our God. We're okay to point at that, and we're okay with that. I want to let you know this morning, it's okay 
to respond to God as he touches your life every time we get together here at the vineyard. We believe that as we experience his presence through Jesus by the power of the Spirit, we'll be made more fully alive and will be better reflections of the God image bearers that we were created to be. We welcome all of that. And in today's Bible reading, as John records Jesus' response to those who were critical of him for, the many re- for many reasons, and yet at the same time they were missing what was happening right in front of their very eyes, Jesus records that re- John records that response of Jesus. I can only do what I see my Father doing. Now in recording that, Jesus, or John, saw in that moment that Jesus was fulfilling a prayer that got uttered way, 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 way back in the story of God in Israel. Exodus, if we go to the next slide. Moses has just led the people of Israel out from underneath all of the spiritual, political, and social powers of Egypt. They've said yes to following God. They've packed up. They've headed off. They've just gone through a huge moment where they've gone and crossed through the Red Sea and seen the enemy or Pharaoh's um, army squashed behind them. They're now on the other side. And they're standing on a mountain and they're trying to figure out their life together with God. Moses in particular, he's like, what, what are we going to do now? How do we do this thing? i got all these millions of people here. How are we going to do, where are we, where is this milk and honey? Where are we going? And John saw in the Jesus statement, I only do what I see my father doing, John saw the long story of Moses coming alive in front of his very eyes. You see, in that moment where Moses was leading the people, it was a crucial moment in their formation of becoming a people who would carry God's blessing to the world that would bring freedom for every single human being. Moses uttered these words in Exodus 33, 12 to 18. He said to God, you've been telling me, Lead these people, but you've not let me know who you'll send with me. You've said, I know you by name, and you've found favour with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favour with you. Remember that this nation is your people and the Lord's reply, my presence will go with you. I'll give you rest. And then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. In other words, we're not going another step if you don't come with. How will anyone know that you're pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do this very thing you have asked because I'm pleased with you and I know you by name. And then Moses said, show me your glory. See that verse 14? The Lord replied, my presence will go with you. Now that in the the Bible there, you'll see that that word presence is a capital P. Because what God is saying, he's saying, Not my attributes will go with you and I'll kind of hang back over here. He's saying who I am in all my fullness. I am the God of presence who lives and rests upon human beings that I have called to walk with me as a gift to the world. So when Jesus utters those words, oh, my father... It's the God of Moses he's talking about. It's the God of presence. If you're in a relationship with Jesus, you're in a relationship with the God of presence. 
He's with you in those thoughts that are both healthy and unhealthy. He's, he's with you in those moments when you choose to use the resources that he's placed into your life for his, his glory and your joy of, of entering into a generous life. Whether you choose to use them well or not, he's right there with you in that moment. The way you choose to use your body, he is with you in that moment. How you respond to people relationally, he's with you in that moment. The God of presence is, is present. He didn't stay at home when you went to work. My presence will go with you. Jesus shows us what it looks like when we walk every day into all of our moments with the God of presence upon us. Wherever you go locationally, shops, towns, different locations, geographies, he's there. Wherever you go in your thought life, your dream life, your mind's thinkings, he's there. Wherever you go physically with your body, healthy and unhealthy, he's there. The God's very self is there. When we give Jesus our yes, we also find ourselves, like Moses, in the crucial moment of formation. Will we let God shape us like the prayer we've been praying at the, every time we get together, God shape my life this year. Will we let the crucial moment of his presence truly shape our life? God answers the cry of our hearts with his presence. His presence is what makes sense of our lives and gives us purpose. His presence fills our hearts with hope for our own brokenness and the brokenness of those that we love the most and even the people that we have no idea of who they are and yet we know that they're broken. His presence is what empowers our lives to actually have the compassionate eyes of God to look around us and welcome people into our lives and ultimately through that invitation into a relationship with Jesus his kingdom, and the joy of being set free. Be it an inside-out or an outside-in moment, doesn't matter. It's all good for God. We at Pine River's Vineyard are the people of his presence. I have a countless backlog of people over the 27 years that this place has been turning up to love on Jesus and to do his works and equip his people, a backlog of people where their words to us have been, when I stepped into this place, I felt like I was coming home. It was his presence welcoming them through people like you and me who have also found home in Jesus Others experience Jesus when they look at us. Others experience Jesus through us with our acts of love and mercy and justice, through prophetic utterances, through signs and wonders and powers of the Holy Spirit. Others also see the authority of Jesus over our life and they go, I want that life too. Let me just finish with this little story. If we can go to the last, um, the last slide. So there's two things going on here today. The first is he's inviting you into a relationship with him this year. That's presence-led. You. And he's also inviting us. Whether you feel like you're in the centre of things here or you're way out on the edges where you think it's safe. It's not safe, but it is good wherever you are. Jesus is Lord. And he's going to invite you to come even closer this year. And he's not only doing that with you, he's doing that with us as a people, walking together with Jesus as Lord, as we give him our yes 
so his spirit comes. Let me just finish um, with this little story. Nicole and I this week, we had a don't be a dumb builder moment. We had a be a smart builder moment. We had a smart builder moment. Nicole and I, we've been experiencing a very challenging working relationship with a person, particular person. They're not here at PRV, just for clarity. But they are, we are nonetheless engaged with them through a working relationship and they have become extremely difficult to work with. And we now, we now find that same person that we're finding it difficult to work with, that person is now threatening us with all sorts of legal litigation. And it's getting to the really pointy end where they're even telling us, you better hurry up and get yourselves some representation because I'm coming after you. And this has been building over about a six to eight month period. And all the while, in our communications with this person, we have tried as our, our little heart out to be calm, to be wise with our words, and we've continued to simply respond to this person, you do what you feel you need to do. Rather than, you know, stoke the fire, we've just said, you do what you think you need to do. And we've tried as best as we can to not come underneath the anxiety and the fear of the threats that they've been sending our way. Well, this week, Nicole and I found ourselves once again with this at the forefront of our mind and our heart in our time of prayer. It's like, it's like one of those ones that you just never get out of the field of vision, you know, because <laughs> anxiety wants to keep it there front and centre. Well, I went for a walk with my dog and Nicole sat and had a cup of tea and we both talked to God and then we came back and compared notes. And we found ourselves praying once again about this person and the situation. And in the middle of our prayers, both independently from each other, we heard the Lord say to us, these are my circumstances and I'll look after them, thanks. At which point we had a choice to make, which was do we actually choose to release this into the hands of God or do we continue to have our prayers echo our anxiety and our risk management approaches, filling our prayers. And in the kindness of God, with the help of the Holy Spirit, we gave it to him. It was a smart builder moment. It just cuts into the everyday stuff of life. Smart builder moments. They're, they're in front of all of us all the time. Well, fast forward 48, not even 48 hours after we'd prayed that prayer. Now, the story is still ongoing and there's still things to be worked out. I'm not saying it's all nice and neat and tidy and all packed up in a box and we've moved on. No, no, there's still stuff to walk out. But the, um, there was a person who, um, a, what you call a... Um, mediator a mediator rang us on behalf of that that we're working with between the two parties the mediator rang us and listened to our account and then they told us these words they basically said you've nothing to fear and there is no case to answer here so we hung up the phone and left it with them <laughs> now we don't know how that's all going to play out and whether or not that will placate or satisfy the other person have no idea but what we're choosing to do is to say lord forgive us for our lack of trust and and being driven by our overwhelming anxiety in our life of prayer we've experienced your loving kindness time and time again help us lord to live with you as our ever present need in our time of help and you don't leave us even in the nuts and bolts of life your presence, Lord, has come and helped to rebuild our life on a sure foundation. Your peace is filling our heart and our mind. And we give you great thanks that we are not hashtag dumb builders anymore. That's how it works, friends. The presence of the Lord 
is with us. The presence of the Lord is with you. Let's stand and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you're doing in this room this morning. We thank you for the invitation to being a people who are led by your presence. You are the God of presence. Help us to be a people more and more empowered by your love to see what you're up to, God, to hear what you're saying and to join in. Now we're going to go with that song, Consuming Fire, by Tim Hughes that we sang at the end there. And I'm just going to invite you very simply as we're singing this song in the course of this, you, you, you know, just I want to invite you to do what the Father's inviting you to this morning. For some of you, it may be, I need to, I need to give my life to Jesus. I, I need to get things right with me and Jesus, be it for the first time or be it again. It doesn't matter. You're responding to his presence. For some of you in the room this morning, there's a, there's a fresh invitation from Jesus where, where you've kind of been keeping his presence at arm's length and, he, and it's been tiring you and wearing you out and and you're, you're here to yield today. You're like, I don't want to hold you at bay anymore, God. I just, come, would you help me do life? Some of us need healing in our bodies. Some of us are carrying the prayers of, or the, you know, the, the children and even grandchildren in our hearts that, that we long to see in a better place of relationship with God. God's drawing near to that as well in you today. But there's a whole bunch of conversation in this room right now and I would be silly to narrow it down to one. But as we sing this song, I'll invite you just to come. If any and all of that and the things that I haven't even said that God's up to, but you know he is, and your only response is, I just need to, I need to say yes. I just invite you to come and posture yourself down the front here, in this big open space, and there's plenty of room. You just come and meet with your God. Let his presence fill you anew. Yes, Lord, come.